0: Should we um, shall we pray as we come to read from God's word? Let's pray once more together. Heavenly Father, we love to meet in your presence. We love to sing your worship and your praise. We also love to read your word and hear from you. And Lord, I pray you would speak. Speak to our hearts. Reveal yourself to us during this time. Teach us what is true and lead us in the way of Christ. I pray you'd make us better disciples of Jesus Christ this morning through your word in Matthew chapter 16. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. What is gonna happen in 2022? What are you gonna do in this brand new year? Have you got any New Year's resolutions? I won't ask you to put up your hands and tell me what you're planning to do, but what's gonna happen this year? Have you got any New Year's resolutions? What are you gonna do with this year ahead of you? Those are all interesting and important questions, but I wanna ask you this morning, an even more important question. And in fact, the question that I'm going to ask you, I believe, should shape the entire year ahead for you. And actually, it's not even me asking this question. It's Jesus who's asking this question this morning. When we read the text, you'll see that this is the question that Jesus asks to his disciples. He says this, who do you say I am? Jesus is asking you this morning, who do you say I am? That I am. It's a new year, it's a new venue, but this is still the most important question for us as a church. Who is Jesus? Who do you say Jesus is? Let's read together, and I'm going to read Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 to 28. The verses should appear on the screen behind me, um, but do open your Bibles if you've got them. So, Matthew 16, 13 to the end of the chapter, verse 28. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But as he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, you are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So in verse 13 of that story that I've just read to you, Jesus turns to his disciples and asks them a question. Who do people say the Son of Man is? And Jesus is speaking about himself. The Son of Man is a title that he liked to use to describe himself. So he's saying, who do the people say that I am? And the disciples respond. Well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're the prophet Elijah. Some say you're the prophet Jeremiah. In other words, the people were seeing Jesus teach, seeing Jesus do miracles. And the people were saying, oh, this must be a great teacher. This must be a great prophet from God. That's what the people were saying. But then Jesus Ask them a more direct question, a more important question, really. I I tell you today, it it doesn't really matter what other people outside of this room say about who Jesus is. It matters about what you think, what you say. Who do you say Jesus is? And that's what Jesus does. He changes the question. He says to his disciples, who do you say I am? That's the question Jesus asked you this morning. Who do you say Jesus is? It doesn't matter what your parents think. It doesn't matter what I say and what the church says. It doesn't matter what the world says. It matters what you say in response to Jesus' question. Who do you say Jesus is? And I believe that there are four answers given in the Bible this morning, given in God's word to us this morning. Four answers to that question. Who is Jesus? So my first point this morning, who is Jesus? He is King. How does Simon Peter respond to the question? Who do you say that I am, Jesus asks. And Simon Peter responds and says, you are the Christ. That's what he says in verse 16. And that word Christ is the Greek word for the Jewish word Messiah. And so Peter is saying, you are the Christ, you are the Messiah. Who was the Messiah in the Old Testament? Well, the Messiah was the descendant of King David, the great king of Israel, King David, And so Peter's saying, you are the Messiah, you are the descendant of King David, you are the fulfilment of years and years and centuries and centuries of Old Testament prophecy. If you read the Old Testament, it's full of prophecies about a coming king who would reign forever and ever. David will have a descendant, the Old Testament says, who will reign on the throne of Israel forever. And this is who the Messiah would be, the anointed king of Israel forever. But in fact, the Messiah would not just be a king over the nation Israel. It says in the Bible that all nations, all peoples, all languages would come and serve this great king. The whole surface of the earth would be filled with people who are serving the great Messiah, this great descendant of David who would come. And so, when Simon Peter says, You are the Christ, this is what he's saying to Jesus. You are the King, Jesus, and not just any old King. You are the eternal King who will reign forever over all peoples, all languages, and all nations. If Peter is right when he says this, Simon Peter, and I believe he is, Jesus is the King of a kingdom that is growing. And will grow and grow and grow, and more people from every tribe and every tongue and every nation will come and be part of the kingdom of Jesus Christ until a moment when Jesus Christ Himself will return in glory. Do you know the story? Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world so that whoever believes in him shall be forgiven. He rose from the grave in power. He did not stay in the grave, but he rose in power. And then he ascended into heaven. He left his disciples on earth and he ascended into heaven. And he says, I give you the mission. You take the mission, you take the kingdom, you build the kingdom, you grow the kingdom. And he ascended into heaven where he is seated at the right hand of the father and The truth, the next prophecy that will be fulfilled is that Jesus will come again in glory. He will come in the flesh. And when he comes, he will put everything to the world to right. He will conquer his enemies, he will destroy evil, and he will reign over all the earth in truth and love and justice. There will be no more sickness there will be no more pain and there will be no more death, only eternal paradise with Jesus as our King here on the recreated earth. If Peter is right, then all of us have a choice to make, to receive Jesus as King by faith in him, to become a citizen of the kingdom of Jesus Christ, to have an immovable hope in a world to come where peace and love and joy will reign. Isn't that a glorious thing as a Christian? We have this immovable hope. Whatever happens in 2022, we have an immovable hope that Jesus is coming again. He has promised that he will and all his words always prove true. He is coming again in glory and everything that's wrong with the world will be put to right. It's a wonderful thing to fill us with hope through every circumstance, even through death itself. Christians have hope because there's a resurrection to come. Christ will raise his followers. Christ will raise the citizens of his kingdom to be with him on the earth. So that's one choice. We have a choice to receive Jesus as king and to have this amazing hope in him or to reject Jesus as king, to not believe in him and to put ourselves in terrible danger. For when Christ comes again, He comes in judgment, and all who have rejected him are thrown outside of the kingdom into a place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Who does Peter say Jesus is? Peter says Jesus is the eternal king. And so I want to ask you this morning have you received Jesus as king? Are you hoping for this everlasting kingdom to come? Who is Jesus? He is the Christ the eternal king, the descendant of David who will reign forever and ever. Secondly, who is Jesus? He is God. Peter says, doesn't he, you are the Christ, the Son, of the living God. Isn't it interesting, in verse 13, the question that Jesus initially asks is, who is the son of man, says Jesus, who is the son of man? And Peter responds to the question in verse 16 by saying, you're the son of the living God. Here then is the great beautiful theological truth of the Christmas story, that Jesus is the son of man. He is a 100% human being. That's one of the things the Son of Man means as a title, that Jesus is a human being. But Peter declares that he is also the Son of the living God. And so he's not only human, he's also divine. Jesus is 100% man and 100% God. He is God and man in one person. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas time, isn't it? It's Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, the divine Son of God, Being born in human flesh, being born a baby and laid in a manger, an animal's feeding trough in a stable or wherever this manger was. It's an amazing thing. I hope you remembered this and thought about this over your Christmas celebrations. When you were stuffing your face with turkey, were you thinking about the fact that Jesus Christ is God come to earth, man and God in one person? So Jesus is not just deserving of our honour and respect as King. He is also worthy of our worship as God, the Son of the living God. He is the divine Christ. He is the eternal God King. This is who will reign with love and joy and peace and justice upon the earth. It is God himself, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the divine Christ. I pray and hope that all of us When Jesus asks us, who do you say I am? All of us can respond with Peter and agree and say, yes, Jesus, you are the Christ. You are my king and you're also the son of the living God. You are my God whom I worship and adore and love. And Jesus responds very positively, doesn't he, to Peter's confession of faith in verse 16. In verse 17, he says, you're blessed, Simon, bar Jonah, bar just means son of. So Simon, he's called Simon Peter. Simon Peter, um, son of Jonah. He says, Blessed are you because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Verse 17 is really important for understanding how salvation happens. How does someone become a Christian? because what verse 17 reveals to us is to know who Jesus is to have a revelation of who Jesus is as the Christ and the Son of living God it requires a supernatural work of the Father Peter didn't work this out himself It, it wasn't his father who who told him the truth about who Jesus was, it, it wasn't him going, going, like studying and becoming the most intelligent man on the, on the earth, no, Peter, Simon Peter wasn't the most intelligent guy in the world, he was uh, sometimes a fairly simple bloke, although he preached some amazing sermons when he was filled with the Holy Spirit, so God can do amazing things in him, but he wasn't the most intelligent, he didn't work it out, It wasn't flesh and blood that revealed who Jesus was. No, it was God the Father in heaven who did an amazing work in his heart and his mind. It was an act of revelation from God the Father. This is, what, this is what has happened to us. If you're a Christian here this morning and you, with me, believe that Jesus is the Christ, the eternal king, and believe that he is the son of the living God, it's God the Father who has revealed that to you. And the way he works is through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and dwells in our hearts, changes our hearts, changes our minds to reveal who Christ is. And so if you're sitting there thinking, well, I don't know whether I believe this. I would quite like to believe. I'd quite like to have the hope that you're talking about, Duncan, but I'm not quite sure. Well, let me encourage you. Why don't you pray and ask God the Father to do something in your heart and mind, to do a work in your life? It can be a simple prayer. Father God, Reveal Jesus to me. Reveal who he is to me. Something like that. Or if you have a belief in God, but you don't know who God is. I think there are quite a few people, I have friends who who say to me, I think there's something out there who created the world, but I don't know anything about him. Well, if that's you this morning, then pray the same. God, if you're there, Do a work in me and reveal Jesus as the Son of the living God because Jesus shows us what God is like. He's God in human flesh. If you look at Jesus, you will see what God is like. So pray that same prayer. Or if you're already a Christian this morning, simply pray a prayer of thanks. Heavenly Father, thank you for this amazing work that you've done in revealing who Jesus is. Thank you that Jesus is king. Thank you that he's son of the living God. Thank you for showing this to me. You are the one who's revealed this to me. So verse 17 is an important verse about the sovereignty of God in salvation. That's why we pray for people to be saved, because we're asking God to move and reveal this truth to people in Pharaoh and the surrounding regions. Verse 18 is an important verse about the progress and the growing of the church. Of course, Peter and the apostles have an important role to play in establishing the church. They are the ones who Jesus sends out to preach the gospel. But I think the emphasis of verse 18 is not on Peter being this great guy. I think the emphasis is on Christ, because Christ in verse 18 says, "'I will build my church.'" Yeah he's going to use Peter, yeah he's going to use the other apostles to go out and do great things but it's Christ, it's Jesus himself who builds the church and it's his church, the church belongs to him I believe the rock on which the church is built in verse 18 isn't Peter but Christ himself. It follows a declaration of his identity. Jesus is the Christ, Jesus is the son of living God and Jesus says on this rock I will build my church. This declaration of who Jesus is and we know this is true, that we are building upon the rock that is Christ, he is a firm foundation, he is a great cornerstone of the building in a sense, we're building a a spiritual building, not a physical building, the church, but he is the cornerstone of the great spiritual building of the church, we build on Christ, he is the rock and he himself builds the church. Isn't it amazing, Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail, nothing that happens will destroy the church. COVID will not destroy the church. Persecution of Christians will not destroy the church. Even if all of Satan's armies, as, as, they, as they want to do, rise up to oppose the church, the gates of hell shall not prevail against what Christ has built. He is our king, he is our defender, he is our protector. Now, I hope this won't come to pass, but it might come to pass that Christ Church Fairroom, a local church, does does die. I don't, God's doing great work. I don't think we're going to die. I think we're going to keep growing. But the church will never be destroyed because Christ is defending it. And if we, if we do die as a church, it will be because we're not honouring Christ. It's because Christ goes, I don't want that church to exist anymore because they're not, they're not following my word. They're not following me. They're not being good disciples of me. But the true church will always be defended by Christ. Christ will build it and the gates of hell shall not prevail. It's kind of a triumphant moment in this conversation, isn't it, when we get to the kind of verse 18, verse 19. It's a a triumphant moment. He's the Christ. He's the son of the living God. He will build his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. But then verse 21, things take a surprising turn in the passage. And so my third point this morning is, who is Jesus? He is saviour. Think of the heights of verses 16 to 19. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is God the Son. He is the King everlasting. He's the builder of the church. He's the conqueror over hell. Verse 21, Jesus must suffer and be killed. A great height to something that seems like a great low. This happens all over scripture, by the way, this same pattern. Again, the Christmas story is an example of this. Jesus, from the glories of heaven, descends to the earth to be born in a manger. Or think about John 13, which is the story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Let me read you these verses from John 13, verse 3. Staggering verses. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was, had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper, he laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it round his waist, poured water into a bowl and began to wash the disciples' feet. Jesus had been given all things into Jesus' hands. He had come from the Father and he was going back to the Father. It's the great heights of John 13. And so what does Jesus do in his glory? He takes a towel and he gets down and he starts washing the disciples' feet. Isn't that just staggering? The humility of Jesus Christ. Incredible heights of glory to humble love and service. This is our saviour, Jesus. This is how he acts. It's the same here. Peter confesses, declares that he is the Christ and the son of the living God. And so Jesus, in the height of that glorious moment, says, right, now's the moment I'm going to start showing you and telling you what's going to happen next. It's my death. I'm going I'm to give myself into the hands of the elders, into the hands of the Jewish rulers, and they're going to have me crucified. Why did the Christ the son of the living God, die on the cross? Why? To our human brains, in some sense, it doesn't make sense, does it? He's the eternal, everlasting king of glory. Why would he die? Well, the answer is love. The answer is love. Jesus died because he loved us. None of us were fit to be part of the perfect kingdom that Jesus was building. We would all have brought our sin and our selfishness and our pride and our lies and the things that aren't quite right in our lives into that kingdom, thereby making it an imperfect kingdom. We needed forgiveness for the things we'd done wrong and we needed healing so that we could enter this glorious kingdom that Christ is building. And those things, forgiveness and healing, are only available through the cross of Christ It's why some people wear the cross as a symbol of Christianity. It's the central point of Christianity in a sense because Jesus took our sin upon himself and died as a substitute in our place. He he bore the punishment that we deserved upon the cross in order that sin might be lifted off of us so that we might be blameless in the sight of God and enter into this everlasting, eternal kingdom of perfection that Christ is building. He died because he loved us. He died to save us. So Christ is not only king, he's not only God, He is also saviour through the cross. I love the humility and the love that Christ showed. Fourthly and finally, according to this passage, who is Jesus? He is leader. Have a look at verses 24 to 26 which begin, then Jesus told his disciples. In fact, if you look at the passage, you'll see that in verse 13, it starts with Jesus asked his disciples. Then in verse 21, Jesus began to show his disciples. And then here in verse 24, Jesus told his disciples. So I've, I've um, written this sermon as though it's all about who Jesus is, and it is all about who Jesus is, revealing who Jesus Christ is. But I could have also written this sermon in a different way because this sermon is about Jesus speaking to his disciples, teaching his disciples what discipleship is. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? That's why he's asking them a question. That's why he's showing them what must happen. That's why he's teaching them and telling them what's going to happen. It's Jesus and his disciples. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? Well, this this passage answers the question. Well, what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? Have a look at the end of verse 24. It means following Jesus. To be a disciple is to be a learner, a follower. And so, when you become a Christian, you know Christians only use three times in the Bible, but the word disciple is used way more than that. So, you know, we call ourselves Christians, but perhaps we should be better at calling ourselves disciples of Jesus. That's who we are. We are followers of Jesus. We're learners from Jesus. How do you follow Jesus? According to verse twenty-four, this is a challenging verse. How do you follow it? By denying yourself and taking up a cross. The cross of Jesus was about sacrificial love. He denied himself comfort and honour in order to be subject to the pain and humiliation and shame of the cross. And what's Jesus saying here in verse 24? My death is an example to follow. Do you want to know how to, do you want to, know how to be a disciple of Jesus? Here's the model of Christian life. The moment I gave up my life upon the cross. Jesus's crucifixion is the model of how to be a Christian, how to be a disciple of Jesus. To be a disciple of Jesus then is firstly to receive the gift of salvation that Christ offers. We believe in him and receive this amazing gift through grace. But secondly, to be a disciple of Jesus is to imitate our saviour, to imitate our Saviour. Don't get this in the wrong order, by the way. Don't try and imitate Jesus before you've received the forgiveness and salvation on offer in Jesus. If you do that, you will fail miserably. You'll become a legalist. If you succeed, you'll be full of pride and full of yourself. You think, oh, great, I'm, a, I'm as good as Jesus. I managed to imitate. You won't succeed and you won't, you won't receive salvation. But if you get this in the right order, this is what it is to be a Christian, to receive this amazing gift of forgiveness and eternal life and then say, right, Jesus is so good, Jesus is so loving, I'm going to seek to imitate him all the days of my life and particularly to imitate him in his death upon the cross. Once you've received this salvation as a forgiven child of God, justified before God, blameless in his sight, knowing that you have an eternal salvation and you're going to enter into this eternal kingdom which Jesus will establish the earth, imitate him. I want you to meditate on this for 2022. What does denying yourself and taking up a cross look like for you in this year? What does it mean for your time? Well, it means denying yourself things in order to serve and to love others. What about your finances? Denying yourself in order to give generously to those who are less well-off than you. What does it look like in your family? Denying yourself in order to love the people, your your husband or your wife or your children or your father or your mother. What does it look like in your workplace? Denying yourself and seeking to build others up, to raise others up, isn't that kind of a countercultural way to do work? You know, most of us are on a mission to be the very, like to raise ourselves up to the highest position we possibly can in our careers. What if we, as Christians, said, actually, I'm going to deny myself and try and make my team shine around me in order that they would look brilliant? What about in the church? What does it look like to, to deny yourself and take up a cross in the church? Well, surely it means you come for the benefit of others. You come to bless others and love others and, and serve others. And you're involved in, in the weak and all the things in order to bless and care for other people in the church. What does it look like in your neighbourhood, in your street, to deny yourself and to try and love the people who are living around you? Brothers, sisters, if you have received life and forgiveness from Jesus's death, I urge you to imitate him, denying yourself to sacrificially love others. Don't you want to be like Jesus? Hey, you know, not in the sense of being the Christ and the son of God, but I want to be like Jesus in his love and his humility and his service. I look at Jesus and think, That is perfect humanity in Jesus Christ. There's nothing I want more to be his disciples, to follow in his footsteps, to learn from him and to imitate him in that kind of life. That's what I want for 2022. That's what I'm praying for for myself in 2022, that I'll be able to imitate my saviour, Jesus. He has rescued me. He's given everything for me May I give everything in order to love and care for others, denying myself and taking up my cross. Because doesn't Jesus ask a really good question? What good is it if you gain the entire world but forfeit your soul? The joy and the good news of Christianity is that all who believe in Christ, all who receive this amazing salvation and say, I'm going to be a disciple, don't forfeit their souls. They lose their life. They deny themselves here on earth, but they find true eternal life with a hope that will never die, with a relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and they will enter into that eternal kingdom. If you seek to deny yourself, to lose your life here on earth, to love Christ, to imitate him, you will find your life in him. More joy, more peace, more love, For you now and into eternity through following Jesus. So, what will happen in 2022? Christ will reign as King, for he is the divine, everlasting descendant of David. What will happen in 2022? Christ will save people because he's the saviour. He enters into people's life. God the Father supernaturally moves in people's hearts to turn them to believe in Christ. So that's going to happen in 2022 as well. Christ will reign as king. Christ will save people. What will you do in 2022? Well, I would encourage you to imitate your saviour in sacrificially loving the people around you in all your different spheres of life. Wouldn't that be a great, great year? I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll um, end our service and go and get some tea and coffee. But let's, let's pray together. Let's pray for this. Lord Jesus, we confess with Simon Peter that you are the Christ. You are the everlasting King, We confess that you are the son of the living God, the divine one who came to earth to rescue us and we worship you in our hearts, Lord. We confess that you are the saviour, you are the humble one who went to the cross in love to save us and Lord, we, we confess that we have done things wrong, that we need your forgiveness and we thank you for the cross, thank you for dying for us so that we might be forgiven and blameless in your sight. We also confess that you are the leader and the one that we want to follow. Lord, make us better disciples of you this year. Increase our love. Holy Spirit move now increasing our love for one another, for the people in our world around us, for our neighbours, for our work colleagues, for our family, Lord God. I pray we would be like Jesus, sacrificially loving the people around us, because we love Jesus, and we long to be like him. Increase our humility, increase our love, increase our desire to serve others, make us better disciples, so that more and more people would see your love in us, and come to believe in you, and get saved. And Lord, I go back to the fact that you are saviour, and I do pray, save people, in 2022. We want stories of salvation. We want stories of people feeling hopeless, finding Jesus and being filled with hope. Lord, we want stories of people being lifted up by you out of the difficult circumstances and their struggles and need into a relationship with you, into this hope of the eternal kingdom to come. And Lord, I pray that each of us would also have this great hope stirring and moving in our hearts day after day after day. Lord, we commit this year to you. We thank you for it. And we say, we know who you are. You are the Christ. You are the king. You are the saviour. You are God. You are our leader. May that be what 2022 is all about, who you are. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.